You're listening to the podcast of the Biopharmaceutical Section of the American Statistical Association. Statistics. 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 Hey folks, and welcome to episode 29 of the podcast. I'm Richard Zink. Today's topic is the Statistics and Pharmacometrics Interest Group. And this group is chartered by both the American Statistical Association and the International Society of Pharmacometrics. I had a great conversation with Alan Hartford and Matt Rotelli, and I learned a bit more about pharmacometrics, the statistical methods used to analyze pharmacokinetic and dynamic data, and the importance of the collaboration between statisticians and pharmacometricians. Without further ado, let's start the show. Our topic today is the Pharmacometrics Interest Group of the American Statistical Association. Joining me today are Alan Hartford, Director of Statistical Innovation at AbbVie, and Matt Rotelli, Director of PKPD and Pharmacometrics at Eli Lilly. Good afternoon to both of you. Thanks for being here. Hello. So before we dive in and get started with our discussion, since some of the listeners may not be as familiar with what Pharmacometrics is, Let's try to define some basic terms so all the listeners are on the same page. Can you give us some simple working definitions of pharmacometrics, pharmacometricians, pharmacokinetics, and pharmacodynamics that we can use in this conversation? Sure. So I like to think of uh, PK or pharmacokinetics as how the body handles a drug from the time somebody's exposed to a drug until the drug is no longer detectable in their body, and then the pharmacodynamics, or the PD, is what the drug does to the body along the way. And then I like to think of pharmacometricians as scientists who apply the principles of pharmacology and physiology to the modeling of the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. And uh, traditionally, our uh, pharmacometricians, are they statisticians by training or are pharmacologists primarily by training? Well, I think they come from a wide range of, of backgrounds. Primarily, I would say they're not formally trained in statistics. Rather, there's a certain amount of statistics built into the curriculum. I, I think that's one of the things that uh, is open for discussion is whether uh, a little more statistics could be helpful in that regard. Many come from backgrounds, though, in uh, pharmaceutical sciences or um, PharmDs. Alan, did you have something to add? Usually pharmacometricians are trained first in pharmacology, but maybe pick up a few stats classes along the way. But that uh-huh. they, their focus is on the modeling and not uh, necessarily a straight um, a pharmacokinetics or ph- pharmacology uh, a job. But um, more and more we do see that, that some pharmacologists or pharmacokineticists, they they get a master's in statistics along the way, which make them a, a more natural fit for the pharma, pharmacometrician role. Well, let's get to know a little bit about each of you. How did each of you become interested in statistics and pharmacokinetics, and which interests uh, led to the other? Well, for me, I was a math major in college and switched eventually to statistics for a Ph.D., but studied specifically for my dissertation nonlinear mixed effects modeling, 
and that is primarily the uh, the main type of modeling that's used for pharmacometrics. So it was kind of a natural fit for me once I started my job in the the pharmaceutical industry to be assigned to those projects that would be uh, working alongside with pharmacokineticists and and could participate and help out with the modeling. And Matt, how about you? Well, my background is also mathematics and statistics, and then I mostly was a clinical statistician uh, for a number of years before finally uh, working on some cross-functional projects looking at model-informed drug development. It was, we at the time called it quantitative pharmacology. And in that cross-functional group, got to meet and interact uh, much more uh, deeply with a number of folks in the pharmacometrics groups and took a great interest in, in the work they were doing. Uh, and then over, over time, uh, opportunity opened up within the PKPD and pharmacometrics group and we had some good relationships and uh, I made the leap over. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a, it's just a different approach to modeling, which I always, which I found very interesting from the time I first was exposed to it. So, did you have the training in nonlinear mixed effects models uh, as a student? Only that, very limited. Very limited. And Alan, uh, as far as your training uh, as a student, uh, was that training focused around pharmacometrics, or what was the application of the uh, nonlinear mixed effects models? Well, I remember doing. One project, so working on one project that was more of a toxicology, but very similar in, in the style of how the, the models were defined and how the models were fitted. So that, that's really the biggest difference between statistics and pharmacometrics. It's what models um, you use to, to fit the, uh, the data. The pharmacometrics uses what we call mechanistic models that are derived more from the biology side of it rather than just trying to be like a polynomial regression with many terms to try to get a good approximation. Because we're fitting the, the these biology-inspired models, then the um, the, re- the inference that can be made is much more biologically relevant. And in general, from your experience, do you think the types of nonlinear mixed effects models, are these included in a lot of statistical programs uh, or, or probably less so in uh, statistical training? Yeah, definitely not. The, Many of the issues we have is that um, the data that we need to collect to fit the pharmacometric models require um, some leeway from subject to subject in terms of when they're dosed. We'll fit the same model to, to different subjects so that you know we have we have common parameters, but the structure of the model is the same. But the multiple dosing impact can affect the structure a lot, and this is not easily input into uh, say, for example, SAS or R program. Now, can you describe uh, your current roles for us and uh, how you're involved uh, in pharmacometrics at your respective company? Yeah, so I'm currently the director for um, one of our therapeutic areas in um, for PKPD and pharmacometrics. And our role <clears throat> is to provide modeling support uh, all the way from pre- preclinical to uh, commercialization in terms of any modeling that's, that's necessary along the way. So whether we're trying to do modeling to support human dose projections, whether we're characterizing the PK in our first in man studies, whether we're assessing the potential for drug-drug interactions or food effects or in special populations, or whether we're trying to 
provide a, a, a model, a mechanistic or semi-mechanistic model for the PK and PD in the later phase studies to help understand um, once you get into a broader population whether there's consistency in both the pharmacokinetics as well as the relationship between the pharmacokinetics and the pharmacodynamics uh, to help inform uh, the labels. So pharmacometricians are essentially, they have a role throughout the entire drug development process, so not just, say, in the early phases, but also in the later phases as well. That, that's correct. They stretch the whole the whole path from the um, earliest preclinical experiments all the way to the uh, commercialization and, and continue to answer questions even after the initial products hit the market. I used to work in a pharmacometrics group, but currently I, I'm, I'm working in a statistical innovation group, or which is a, a research or technical group. Our focus currently is mainly on clinical trial simulations to help to optimize our, our, our designs. And through this interaction with other statisticians working on projects, um, my background with pharmacometrics has helped me identify situations where I can speak up and say, hey, we need to get a pharmacometrician involved in this too, because their models are, would be more informative to us when we're, when our, we're doing our simulations. Obviously, your job now, Alan, probably has a lot of simulation in it. But prior to being at AbbVie, and, and Matt, uh, you can speak up too, is there a lot of simulation in the day-to-day for uh, pharmacometrics, or is it fitting models uh, to observe data? I think both groups are doing uh, quite a bit more model, well, simu- on the simulation side, but quite a bit more simulating than had been done in in the past, I, I think, you know, on the statistics side, simulating um, clinical trials, and then to the point Alan made, uh, many times you need great collaboration between the pharmacometricians and the statisticians because you can simulate much richer data if you employ some of the pharmacometric models into the into the simulation. So I I think that both groups do a tremendous amount of simulating, and I think as the computing power has improved over the years, as well as the biological understanding has has opened the door for more of the pharmacometric type modeling uh, while while still facilitating broader applications of the statistical simulation. So you're both involved with the pharmacometrics interest group with the American Statistical Association. So what led to the formation of this interest group? So I've been involved with the biopharmaceutical section, uh, and that's been involved with um, with different sections too. But with that involvement, I saw the process of how interest groups could be formed, and you know what they could accomplish. And with the background in pharmacometrics, I had always thought that there should be a better connection with statisticians and pharmacometricians because there's such an overlap in the technical work that they do. So I, I I had the idea and I and I threw it out there, and luckily Matt and some others also thought it was a good idea, and uh, we just got the the ball rolling. Matt, do you have any? Yeah, I um, had been thinking uh, very similar along the lines of Alan when I got wind that he was forming a group. I, I jumped on board, and right around the same time, in some conversations I was having with folks in the International Society of Pharmacometrics, they were interested in putting together an interest group focusing on statistics. And one of the things I had observed um, over the years was it's not uncommon at all to go to 
uh, a statistics meeting where there may be just a small part of the meeting talking about pharmacometrics, but it's, it's largely statisticians in talking to other statisticians about pharmacometrics. And then you could go to a, a clinical pharmacology or even more specifically a pharmacometrics meeting, and you're going to get a lot of pharmacometricians talking to other pharmacometricians. Um, and sometimes even talking about statistics, but there was very, very little, few circumstances where there were statisticians actually interacting with pharmacometricians. And uh, that was something that I think everybody felt was a, was a bit of a gap. And so we brought up the idea that instead of having separate interest groups, whether we could have a jointly sponsored interest group by both the American Statistical Association as well as the International Society of Pharmacometrics, and both organizations jumped on board with that idea and have given us great support. So we now have a, a joint interest group on the intersection of statistics and pharmacometrics, which is open to anyone who has an interest in either or both of, of those fields and how they can come together. I see. So this interest group is also sort of co-sponsored by the International Society of Pharmacometrics. That's correct? That is correct. It's interesting, though, that sort of both of these groups rather independently realize the importance of collaborating with the other side of things. I guess it's ideal that both having a single group and uh, working together as opposed to two separate entities where you have the statisticians talking to the statisticians and the pharmacometricians talking to the pharmacometricians. So you've kind of avoided that uh, continued disjointedness. Right. That that goes actually way back. There were only a few statisticians in the beginning that were collaborating with the pharmacometricians. They weren't even called pharmacometricians yet. And, And so there started to become uh, siloed and that things for nonlinear mixed effects models, the technical um, area was being advanced on both sides and we're starting to use different names for similar concepts. So this, um, you know, hopefully we can have some impact to to bring the groups more together moving forward. I think you mentioned the name of the, the special interest group. What is the name of the group? Statistics and Pharmacometrics Interest Group. Okay, very good. Well, what are ultimately what are the goals of the interest group? Uh, will there be, say, independent meetings or trainings, uh, or scientific working groups that form, uh, short courses? What do you hope to do as a part of this interest group? The people who are you know steering this new interest group, they have already started doing some of the things that you mentioned. Like there was a um, a short course offered last fall at the uh, the regulatory industry biofarm section uh, workshop. Uh, also last year, there was a presence at the ACOP meeting, um, uh, a good um, pre-meeting workshop on statistics for the pharmacometricians. And we've also been working on um, proposing sessions at um, many conferences for both statistics and pharmacometrics. We, we don't see right away that we would have our, our own conferences or separate workshops. I mean, maybe down in the, in the future at some point, but right now the biggest impact, the, uh, the best chance to, to have that impact would be at the existing meetings to bring um, a little more statistical talk to the pharmacometricians at their conferences and also to really bring the awareness of pharmacometrics um, to statistics conferences. 
Matt, do you have anything to add to that? I would say the main objective is to really promote the collaboration between statisticians and pharmacometricians. As Alan mentioned, um, we've kind of honed in on, on a few specific areas to try to to do that. One is to provide a forum where the dialogue can can go on, and so we're looking to do that initially in a virtual perspective with a with a collaboration site where there can be both discussion topics and a programming forum. Uh, we want to try to get the conversation going so that statisticians are a little more familiar with the PKPD principles and terminology and the nuances of, of the data and educate also statisticians in, in how those models can be applied, what the benefits are over a, a purely empirical statistical model, but similarly raise the awareness among pharmacometricians around uh, you know, some of the embedded assumptions or, or some of the things that statistically they probably need to have a little bit greater appreciation of in terms of um, leveraging their models for future predictions or for understanding of the experiment that, that's gone on. Uh, but we really want to also just get everyone to understand and appreciate a little bit better where the other discipline is, is coming from. And similarly, we'd like to encourage across pollination by getting statisticians to more often seek careers in pharmacometrics, uh, getting academic institutions to incorporate more pharmacometric topics into biostats programs, and similarly, um, incorporate more fundamental statistical um, science into the pharmacometric programs. Uh, there's some gaps in the journals where there's, you know, the pharmacometricians tend to publish in specific journals that maybe aren't as broadly read by statisticians. So how do we facilitate the cross-pollination of the research that's gone on that could be applicable across the fields, whether you know, it may be in a statistical journal that nobody in pharmacometrics is ever going to see or in a pharmacometrics journal that folks in, that statisticians won't see. So how do we facilitate that cross-pollination? So those are some of the the, the main things we, we'd like to try to do over the next few few years. Now, you mentioned uh, biostat programs and topics in pharmacometrics. Are there currently any biostatistics programs that have a uh, rather robust pharmacometrics curriculum? I don't know of any. In, in statistics programs, um, you know, even in the graduate programs, it's pretty unusual to even see a nonlinear mixed effects class. You might see a nonlinear statistics class, like just nonlinear models, but not, not specifically on nonlinear mixed effects. Uh, so, yeah, certainly I don't see anything on the actual models that we were calling, um, calling the mechanistic models. Uh, you don't see those in the stats classes. Okay. And I guess on the flip side, uh, for pharmacometricians, how many statistics courses uh, are generally part of their um, uh, curriculum? Well, they'll get the entry courses. Uh, they might get through um, even analysis of variance. Certainly, they'll do some regression, but they they skip over everything else that um, statisticians study and then go right to the courses that I, I mentioned are missing in the stats courses and in the, in the stats curriculum. They'll skip right ahead to those nonlinear mixed effects models. So it also makes it more challenging for a, um, a new statistician and a new pharmacometrician to communicate because they may expect the other to know things that they know, and, and, and but there they, they really is a lot of mismatch. 
I see. Well, Matt, you started talking a little bit about, um, I think, some of the differences between statisticians and pharmacometricians, but are there certain major differences in perspectives and practice and how models are fit or they're interpreted that occur between statisticians and pharmacometricians that cause a bit of friction between the two camps? I, I think probably there's been somewhat of evolution, at least within the pharmaceutical industry, which has maybe led led to some of that. There's, there's inherently very different approaches. In fact, there's very, very different purposes to the the main analyses that each each group does. Uh, many times the statisticians are tasked with formulating the hypothesis tests that, that are going to provide the foundation for the establishment of substantial evidence. Uh, and, and oftentimes the main purpose of the pharmacometrics approach is to provide a model which can be used to help understand uh, what the interrelationships are between the, the kinetics and, and the dynamics and does that need to be tailored at all for specific patients or under specific uh, conditions to make sure the, the right dose is getting to the, the right patient. So you've got this inherently different purpose for the models, and that's going to lead then to very, very different approaches to modeling. Uh, it's also going to lead to differences in how much of the modeling is pre-specified which ha- versus how much is done post hoc based on what you're observing out of the data. And, you know, when all that comes together, it, it's not surprising sometimes that there's uh, some some disagreement around how these different models should be used and, and for what purposes because they're many times they are leveraging the same data they're mm-hmm. just going about very very different um, they're designed for very very different purposes and are going to be based on very very different assumptions and frankly should have different but related applications. Well, one question I have, I guess, to follow up on that, and I think I asked this question last fall uh, during uh, Alan's class. There seems to be, and this may be a minor issue, um, and it has to do with whether or not you're going to exclude certain data from uh, the model. So one thing we hear about as statisticians is that you always want to include all of the data in the model, and if things don't fit particularly well, then you need to build a better model to accommodate unusual observations. Whereas it seems on the pharmacometric side that leaving certain observations out of a model uh, when it's not fitting necessarily well or causing the model to crash, that, that seems acceptable in some cases. Now, does this have to do more with defining a model that has some biological underpinning to it, um, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, Alan? Well, it, it's great you remembered that example from the class. Uh, uh, thanks for that. But uh, in, in the situation that I had, there, there, was, there were a few data points that were outliers that affected the concavity of a, a curve, which made it really impossible to keep the data, um, those data points in there and still get convergence of the algorithms fitting the nonlinear mixed effects model. But in general, data aren't left out any more often in um, pharmacometrics and in statistics. The course that we're talking about, we didn't go into the Bayesian methods, and often mm-hmm. pharmacometricians will use a Bayesian approach 
when um, a frequentist type approach for fitting maximum likelihood doesn't reach convergence. And you can get convergence with those Bayesian approaches just with my experience that I found that sometimes not getting convergence is an indication that the model is not well specified. So there's mm -hmm. lots of complexities there, but I wouldn't say that the pharmacometrician approach in terms of outliers is re really any different from statisticians. Okay. Well, some of the earliest exercises in modeling and simulation were in support of PKPD. Uh, can you describe some of these early efforts and how they led to greater use of modeling and simulation within medical product development? Well, I'm probably not as well versed in the history as they, as they should be, but I think what the great potential is, is, is how these two disciplines can leverage modeling and simulation more synergistically to and, and and build it into into development to do more truly model informed drug development, which has the potential to greatly accelerate the development uh, drug development as well as do a better job of making sure we're answering the right questions along the way, so that when the um, drug gets to the market. It hopefully will both get there more quickly as well as have the information necessary to provide a better understanding of who is who is the right patient for that drug and and what dose should they get that's going to be the the safest for them as well as provide them with the most benefit. In speaking about the earliest exercises in modeling simulation, I you know I, I would just point back to how only a few statisticians were involved with the pharmacometricians in building um, the, the type of algorithms even to fit these models as computers became more and more um, able to to approximate likelihoods and, and get us some answers and estimates for parameters. Um, so the, the early modeling done was really driven by the pharmacometricians and, and pushed a lot of the uh, advances in in um, the, the theory and methods and statistics. Some statisticians did uh, get, get involved along the way, but the software then was very different. And statisticians didn't really know what this software did, and it became it, the software was really um, it was it was owned by a group and 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 there were licenses on it, so that they didn't get to see the inner workings of it. So. Different approximate methods started to evolve a little differently, and it's been good that things have, you know, have already collaborated enough to to get together on those kind of things. So my my background is more on the the perspective from the the theory side and not the application. Um, but then, uh, yes, I, I agree with what Matt is saying about about what what's being done now and how important uh, the pharmacometrics is for drug development. It, it's um. It's also interesting that you know, pharmacometricians are fitting models while statisticians are confirming clinical trial results. So the two of them together answer a lot of questions, although sometimes they're different questions, and that regulatory agencies are expecting the work that both of these groups do for their submissions. Well, what do you see as the biggest challenges? to statistics and pharmacometrics in the regulatory environment. We talked a lot about just the communication between these two groups, but with the interest group and the greater collaboration, 
with ISOP, it sounds like the communication piece is kind of being addressed, but how does this relate to the regulatory environment? I think we're just starting down the, the path, and I think the biggest challenge is just the lack of understanding um, of each discipline for, for the other one. And I, I think that that probably holds true whether it's within the regulatory agencies or within the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, I think, again, where the, the promise is that as we do grow a better understanding and appreciation for the work each other does and, in fact, start synergizing and collaborating more, it's going to provide the opportunity to actually take the output from one model, feed it into the other model, to appropriately carry uncertainty throughout the modeling process, uh, and then be able to start pressure testing the, the assumptions within each of the modeling approaches. And so I think at the end of the day, uh, you, you have a much clearer picture of what you know and what you don't know. You can design better experiments to get at those remaining unknowns. And at the end of the day, have a more complete uh, biological and mechanistic understanding of what might be happening in a, 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 at the same time as you're providing the, the evidence to meet the regulatory requirements. I think one of the big challenges that we'll have is to get beyond the differences in terms of the statisticians and pharmacometricians in terms of statisticians needing to um, protect against false discovery rates. We were very good at protecting alpha and, you know, making sure that our clinical trials are not um, claiming success when they shouldn't. Uh, in contrast, pharmacometricians are fitting data, uh, you know, fitting models to data to get a better understanding of the biological process, understand the mechanism of action. And what they're turning into regular agencies is just that. They're, they're, they're not protecting um, an alpha rate because they're not looking for a p-value to say whether something is specifically different, like a, a treatment effect. But... Uh, but the, the agency is expecting these two different approaches, so, and, and we're lucky in a sense that there hasn't been any push from any agency to try to, to get a pharmaceutical company to go back and confirm uh, one of these complex models because this is just expected to be uh, an approach to help us understand but not to be a definitive answer to, to this, is, this model is the truth, nothing like that. So there will be some, some problems. I mean, we've seen it along the way already, but as new statisticians are introduced to pharmacometrics, they're going to have to keep an open mind to that these are still learning uh, approaches instead of confirming. I see. I guess based on your comments, uh, are there changes in, in, in types uh, in terms of the, the different models that can be fit? I, I, I'm a bit ignorant on the process. I know there's one and two compartment models. Are, are there advances in terms of how the models can be fit in terms of the understanding of the underlying uh, biological process? Uh, are there different advances in that over time? Well, the, well, the one and two compartment models that you're mentioning are for the pharmacokinetics um, data. And then there's the pharmacodynamics data, and there are models that are used to link the two so that we can see a direct cause and effect of the, the pharmacokinetics or the, ex the drug exposure, and then how does it have impact on people and, and the, the systems and, 
and to you know cause some kind of effect. So there's um, you know a lot of work that's been done over the years. Is, I mean, they're, they're, these models are pretty well understood, but then mm-hmm. not necessarily which model is right out of uh, this you know your bag of tricks. How which model is the right one for this new drug coming up? I see. So are there are there I guess classes of models that tend to be more appropriate depending on the the particular therapeutic area or any way the drug is sure sure to the patient. Like for example, there are some drugs that as the exposure of the drug goes up, you see an immediate change in the parameter um in, in, in you know in, in blood work or some other kind of pharmacodynamic endpoint. And then there are other other drugs that work that was explained to me once of thinking of a rowboat on a lake that each um, increase in exposure is like a ripple in the water or a small wave and it takes a lot of these waves to, to, to fully push the boat to the other shore. So there's not a direct link between the, um, the peak or the, the maximum value of mm-hmm. exposure. It's more of a accumulation of, of a repetition of dosing. I see. Well, final open-ended question: What would you, what would be considered the greatest success uh, for the interest group in the next five years? Well, I'd like to see. It's my hope that we can foster greater collaboration, uh, as well as cross-disciplinary expertise, and that that'll lead to patients getting safer and better medicines more efficiently. That's to me what we're what we're trying to do. Yeah, I agree. That would be. That is definitely the main thing we want to to happen, and, and we can get there hopefully by our group starting more dialogue and getting a better understanding of uh, these two disciplines, and see how they can interact better in, in terms of like a synergy to to make uh, these things happen. Thanks for joining me today and uh, discussing the work of the Pharmacometrics and Statistics inter- Interest Group. If you have interest in seeing what the group is up to, you can check out the interest group under the sections tab on the homepage of the American Statistical Association. That's ampstat.org. And you can get involved. Thanks Thank a lot, you for guys. Having us. Thank you. Thank you, Richard.